friends. Of course, I go by the name of the kid, famous. You and now tuned into the Tim and Friends show. Hello, education, entertainment, coast to coast. Ball it up, call it entertainment. Let's get this started. Uncle Tim, let's start this show in five, four, three, two, one. Let's go. Jesse is dancing again. He's also got you back. On this, your show, hit us up and him up. At Tim and Friends on Twitter and the gram anytime, but especially during the show. And you too could be a featured friend of the show because this is Tim and Friends for March 3rd, 2022. Today, the Raptors face their arch nemesis, their kryptonite, Dwayne Casey and the Detroit Pistons. Tonight in the same building, the Leafs were booed off the ice last night. Oh, we'll get to that in First Things First. We'll also get into a pretty good night in the NBA with our friend Kenny the Jet Smith. Celtics rounding into form, Jesse. Could I win my bet on John Morant to lead the league in scoring? They're back in action in a solid matchup. Maybe, just maybe, we can get Kenny to admit the Lakers are done. Heat and Nets, Warriors, Mavericks, and Tales from the Crypt, a.k.a. the Lakers and the Clippers, all on the Sportsnet family of platforms now, Jesse. No longer just channels, nice. but platforms along with Sportsnet now. Gene Prince Bay, Mark Spector, and Ryan Leslie at 4 local in Alberta, 6 p.m. Eastern here in Toronto. Get you set for the Oilers and the Blackhawks on Sportsnet, one Ontario and East, as well as the Flames and Habs on Sportsnet West. As if that weren't enough, Captain Clutch. And with all due respect to my girl, Haley Wickenheiser, dare I say, the GOAT, Marie-Philippe Poulain, is dropping by today's show to talk to your boy, Uncle Timmy, and his friend Jesse. Truth be told, wait a second. If I'm Uncle Timmy, are you Uncle Jesse? Mm, I don't know. Nephew Jesse? Uncle Jesse's good, I'll take it. I'm telling you, it's a full house today. Truth be told, Marie-Philippe Poulain, one of my favorite players on planet Earth. And if you know me, you know why. She's the Iron Sheik. She's Camel Clutch, you jabroni. Loving the fact that she's coming on the show today. In fact, Jesse, I'm almost as hype as this kid. Some gyration five, there. Five years old? Oh, yeah. on TikTok? That looks kid that looks kindergarten. Yeah, kindergarten. Okay. That looks kindergarten. That looks like three, four, five. Yeah. What the hell's he doing? That's there? a little early for TikTok, <laughs> I think. All right, without any further ado. I'm looking forward to the Mary Philly plan. Without further ado, first things first. And make it a straight shooter, Jim Bob Cooter. <laughs> first things first. First. All right, we had it on the marquee. The marquee oh the Leafs. So why don't we begin there? You mentioned they got booed off the building. That's because fans were back in the building last night. But they did not leave happy after a 5-1 loss to the Sabres. The Leafs were minus 430, minus 430 in other words, favorites heading into the game, making it the biggest upset regulation loss in the NHL this season. Sheldon Keefe summed up the performance after the game. Please assess that one, uh, Sheldon terrible from start to finish just offensively we were abysmal tonight all four lines 
What about defense? Yeah, okay. So we know uh, Sheldon Keith, what he thought about it there. What did you think about that performance, Tim? Because every time we start talking Leafs, I feel like the energy level gets lifted a little bit just based on what's happening. Because they have that up-and-down season yes. and they always seem to have a little bit of juice around them. Exactly. Okay, I know that a lot of you want me to come out and yell about the how the Leafs just aren't good enough and blame someone. Blame anybody! And many of you want me to go after the biggest names that make sense. Like, Dubas failed them because he didn't get them a good enough goalie. Blame Morazic or Campbell. The Leafs' big four asked for too much money and left them with no money for a proper supporting cast. Ah, oh, Matthews in his 200-foot game, eh? Hot takes. Many of you wanting these scalding hot takes. Eh... I hate to tell you, most of the time, it's just not like that. Most of the time, the fans and media overreact game to game, and context is lost way too much. But that's where our show is different. Here's some context. Leafs Nation is in panic mode again, and the Calgary Flames are flying high, right? Everything is hunky-dory in Calgary. They're four points back of the Leafs in the overall standings. That's context, and so is this. The Leafs have had higher expectations than being just good. Talk to them. To a man, they will tell you that competing with the best in the league is what they think they should be doing. Not losing 5-1 the Buffalo Sabres. Not letting Detroit roar back from 7-1 down to make it a game. Or losing 5-2 to last place Montreal, which has all happened in the last two weeks. You see, I've been doing this for years. And there are now some universal truths that I have learned about professional sports in my, I don't know, 27 years in the business. And you've heard them often if you watch the show because... Unlike those hot takes some are looking for, these are tried, tested, and true. Special players make special plays on special days. Hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. And three, the difference between good and great is consistency. The difference between good and great is consistency. Man, does that shoe fit the Toronto Maple Leafs. You see flashes of absolute brilliance from a player or a team, but they're unable to sustain it. That right there, friends, is the Toronto Maple Leafs. When a team is young, you can forgive the inconsistency. That's learning to be a pro. Learning to be a winner? Well, that, my friends, is different. That is bringing it every damn night. Ask Sidney Crosby. Every damn night. Night. And here's the truth about the Toronto Maple Leafs, respectively. They don't respect fully. They don't bring it every single night. I know it's hard in an 82-game schedule, but that is the difference between good and great. It's in those 82. It's in that regular season that you set the groundwork for what happens when you try and win the 16 that matter. Can the Leafs get it? Eh, I think they can. But when we talk about what the regular season means to a team that is made out of the first round of the playoffs, I really think the consistency matters. It's what Leaf fans should be looking for over the final 28 games of the season because I know for damn sure that's exactly what Sheldon Keefe, Kyle Dubas, and Brendan Shanahan are trying to find out about this group. Can they be consistent enough at a high level? 
And here's your hot take. If they don't find that consistency at a high level, change is coming to Toronto again. What's the root of the inconsistency for the Toronto Maple Leafs? Everything. Don't just blame the goaltenders. We saw flashes of absolute brilliance from Jack Campbell, right? Mm-hmm. We saw flashes of absolute brilliance from their defense core because they were, after the, the turn of the calendar, they were one and two in save percentage and goals against. They were, they were among the best in the league, and now they can't stop anybody. The defense needs help from the forwards and vice versa. All the teams that you have seen win have balance, right? Mm -hmm. Think about it in your head. You've got the great offensive player. Most of them have a Victor Hedman on their team, a big number one blue liner that can log real minutes and a really good goalie. And for the Leafs, they don't have that real number one big defenseman that can wear on you, and you're not sure about their goaltending. So they have to do everything well. And from what I have seen this year, they do that about 70% of the time. Yeah, their number one defenseman got exposed last night uh, playing with Rasmus Sandin. That's probably an experiment that won't happen again. Both guys were minus two. What are they doing there? Do you know? I think what Sheldon Keefe has done since he became coach of the Maple Leafs is he uses the regular season to try and figure out what is going to give him the consistent results that he's looking for. And they haven't really found that. I know they're on pace for probably the best season they've ever had, but he tinkers a lot. And he tinkers because he wants to find the best product so that they go into the playoffs and it's the best version of the Toronto Maple Leafs. That's fair. Which I think you probably should do. If you're a stubborn coach who doesn't change things when you're losing or things aren't going that way, your way, then uh, that's probably not Don't you think Morgan Riley has played some of the best hockey of his career since he got that deal? And he usually plays the best hockey of his career playing with a steady stay-at-home defenseman. I mean, the best hockey that we've seen from Morgan Riley is either with T.J. Brody... Or Ron Hainsey. Yep, you're right. Right? So I, I'm, I'll, I'll accept what you said. If you're just tinkering, you're giving it a shot. He's adapting because okay. he doesn't have Muzzin right now. So things okay, are sort, give of, it a shot. sort of in flux on the back end. Um, but sometimes it feels like, to me, the Leafs are trying to split the atom over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. Like, you figured out how Morgan Riley plays his best, and it's with a stay-at-home defenseman. Yeah. And then you throw Sandine on there with him. There's a lot of questions that, that come from a game like last night. And, and I know you said don't blame it on the goalie, and I'm not going to sit here and, and blame last night's effort on the goalie because that was the entire team, as Sheldon Keefe said. But like we talked about with Peter Mrazek, this guy's 30 years old. He's not a prospect. He's not someone that's going to grab the reins you wouldn't think and run with it, and you wouldn't be confident going into the playoffs with Peter Mrazek as your number one goalie. So despite not blaming it on the goalie, they still need to figure out what's going on in net. Like, it's still a massive problem. I agree if you hadn't seen a couple months of Jack Campbell. Like, they do have to figure it out. Mm-hmm. I do think that there is a possibility that Jack Campbell gets hot and wins a couple rounds in the postseason. Yeah, which is so funny about hockey, right? It really is just about who gets hot. That's without a doubt. <laughs> that's, that's all it is. Right, and we're hearing from Elliot Friedman that it sounds like the Leafs aren't going to go for a goal league. Yeah. And it's not as if they have a lot of cap room to do it, so you'd have to move a significant piece to get that done. And then you'd have to figure out a spot for probably Peter Morazic. And is Jack Campbell that fragile that if you brought in another guy 
would he feel like he's losing his spot and make whatever is going on in the last little while worse? Like, these are all of the dilemmas that face the Toronto Maple Leafs. And let's be clear, if they don't win that first-round series, which could be against one of the best teams in the league in Florida or Tampa, there is going to be change coming to Toronto. Yeah, and all of that, despite the effort last night, still the best power play in the league, still in contention to win the division in probably the best division in all of hockey. Yep. Um, so That's yeah. why I say, like, I hate, listen, Stephen A., everyone will, will write me and say, Stephen A. Smith and, and Skip Bayless are all full of bleep, yet they make the most money in the business, and the most people watch those kind of shows yeah. where people yell and scream every day. And I, I try to stay away from that because the truth of the matter is Leafs Nation is in a panic, and still, if you look at the body of the work for the entire year, they've been pretty good. Mm-hmm. So when I'm, what I'm talking about here is the difference between good and great. And I think I said that a couple times on purpose. The, the consistency is the difference between good and great. Because the Leafs are trying to be great. They're not trying to be good. Yeah. One of the hot takes uh, from one of those shows that you mentioned, circling the, the Twitter sphere today, was that uh, Larry Bird was better than LeBron James. That was the big one. Right. From uh, first take today. Uh, okay. Others and Flames in action tonight. I love Larry Bird. <laughs> Larry Bird was, yeah. Larry Bird I didn't get to watch guy. him, but. I don't think he was better than LeBron. Larry Legend. Uh, okay. There will be a familiar face at Scotiabank Arena as the Raptors host Dwayne Casey and the Pistons tonight. OG Ananobi has been ruled out for tonight, and he's expected to miss another two weeks with a fractured finger, while Fred Van Vliet and Thad Young are listed as questionable. It's tough news about OG. Uh, but this might be a good time to get some extra rest as the Raptors close out the week with back-to-backs against the two worst teams in the Eastern Conference, Detroit and Orlando. So two easy wins, right, Timmy? <laughs> I mean, it's almost comical, isn't it? Like, we both know this isn't an easy win. It should be, but you were like the setter in a volleyball game just setting outside to me <laughs> as a hitter because you know as well as I do, for some damn reason, the Raptors can't beat Dwayne Casey and the Pistons. The Pistons are going for the sweep tonight. So they've won two versus Toronto this season. They are 3-47 and 47 against everybody else. Casey with the Pistons is 8-3 and three against the Raptors. That's a 727 winning percentage against everybody else. He has a 325 winning percentage. All right, there is some inside knowledge with Dwayne Casey and the Toronto Raptors. But what the hell is going on here, Jesse Rubinoff, that you and I can sit here and go... Should we sprinkle on the Pistons tonight <laughs> on the road? Yeah, maybe, perhaps. Like, maybe he goes in there uh, to his, addresses the team before the game and says, hey, guys, like, in his Dwayne Casey voice, which we all know so well, like, hey, guys, you knew I used to coach the Raptors. Help me out here, and let's get a win. And maybe well, that's then all it takes. should say that every game. Maybe that's all it takes for the team to rise to the occasion because it really doesn't make any sense. Basically, the entire time, the Raptors have been the better team since Dwayne Casey has been the coach in Detroit. So... It really makes no sense. Are you going to sprinkle on the Pistons tonight? Hey, Cade, I know you're a young yeah, buck, you but <laughs> I used to coach the Celtics back in the day, too. And I used to coach the Milwaukee Bucks way back in the day before you, you know, when you were in diapers. Like, if I was Dwayne Casey, I'd be convincing the team that he coached for every team in the league because somehow they seem to play against the Raptors. Um, Nine-point favorites the Raptors are tonight. Something tells me don't sprinkle on them, which means I probably will sprinkle 
on the Detroit Nine points. Nine points is a lot of points. We're showing the highlights there, and I don't know if you noticed, but there's a bit of a a theme in the highlights that we're showing. It's kind of Cade Cunningham versus Scotty Barnes. He's their best player. Uh, Reigning rookie of the month in the NBA right now. Scotty Barnes. Future Hall of Famer. Your boy, Scotty Barnes, is the winner. Uh, Do you believe Scotty Barnes is the favorite to win the Rookie of the Year award? No, he's not. Uh, Cade Cunningham actually has, has surpassed Scotty Barnes in the even, odds, and Evan even with Mobley, a bad start. Evan, yeah, well, he didn't play for a while. Cade yeah. Cunningham too. So uh, I think Evan Mobley is is probably going to win the award. He's sort of an overwhelming favorite. Impacts the game on on both ends. Like very few players, quite frankly, in the entire league do. But let's not take anything away from from Scotty Barnes and what he's been able oh, to I'm do not, over the last are. week. Uh, yeah, because I just said he's not going to win Rookie of the Year. Uh, Timmy, we, we were talking about comparisons, and I know Sid had thrown out that tweet about Scotty Barnes and comparing him to, to Giannis. So I went and did some homework. Oh, nice. And uh, I checked all the Scotty Barnes pre-draft comparisons. Yeah. NBA DraftNet, Draymond Green, KOC, Kevin O'Connor at the ringer, Draymond Green, Pascal Siakam, Sporting News, Draymond Green, Boris Diaw, Bleacher Report, Draymond Green, NBA Draft Room, Draymond Green, Poor man's Magic Johnson. DraftKings, Draymond Green, and Lamar Odom. So there's a theme there. Most people saw him as sort of like a Draymond Green type, and I think a lot of that stems from his passing ability. Do you agree with that? Everyone's trying to find a big that can pass to compare him to. (laughs) And he's way more athletic than Draymond Green. Yes. And what we've seen so far is he's already a much better scorer than Draymond Green. Now, would Draymond Green score more on a team that didn't have well, he, we had that opportunity. Mm-hmm. We saw it when they were hurt, and he didn't. Like, I say Scotty, but listen, Draymond Green is a really good player. He's an all-star, right? Mm-hmm. He's a really good player. Scotty Barnes on a good team could be the type of glue guy that Draymond is, but better. Yeah, I, I like Draymond. Listen, the Giannis <laughs> comparison. Do you know that Giannis just passed Jokic? His per right now, player efficiency rating, mm-hmm. is the best in the history of the NBA this season so far. And he's not favored to an MVP, right? I think he's catching. He's catching Jokic, and Jokic yeah. is still the favorite. I think you, I think M- Embiid is number yeah. one, and Jokic and Giannis are there. Yeah, It'll be interesting swapping. to see what Embiid does with James Harden, although they are 3-0, mm-hmm. and and it seems like now a big three in Philly, throw Tyrese Maxey into good. that mix. Uh, but, yeah, Embiid is the favorite right now. Uh, Giannis is catching, and so is Shapoy Cha. Look out. Just score. That's all we need, right? That's all you need him to do oh, is just I score. I got, I got, for those who don't know, I got Ja Morant at plus 4,000 to lead the <laughs> NBA in scoring. And with, I thought Embiid was going to run away with this, but now with Harden in Philly, there might be a chance that Ja makes a bit of a run. Yeah, I like it. Um, I would piggyback on that bet if you're if you're willing to take. Hell no. Okay, fine. They're already offering me the payout <laughs> on that one. I thought you said they were it. Yeah, no, they it's are? changed. Yeah, okay. Because he's catching now. Speaking of jaw, plus four thousand. Yeah, that's. I mean, dude, what was the other bet? The baseball bets you had Shohei too. Like you, you I gotta, you gotta tell the the viewers. I have before you, before you make the future. No, no, bet. I have and I've lost. I had Cliff Kingsbury to win Coach of the Year early on. That looked good. I yeah. did it before. Kyler the year. got hurt. That 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 really that one went. That wasn't fair. So that's not. I don't do it a lot, but I do have Ja, and I got Daryl Sutter for Coach of the Year as well, and Bob Bugner. 
Daryl Sutter. Yeah, that the might, future king, Tim off, McAuliffe. They're offering me a payout on Daryl yeah, Sutter. Yeah, that much. I would assume so. Yeah. Uh, some great matchups around the NBA tonight. Kevin Durant will return to the Nets lineup as they host the first place Miami Heat. You can see that game on Sportsnet 360 at 7:30 Eastern Time. Two of the hottest teams in the league will go head to head as perhaps future scoring champion John Morant and the Grizzlies visit the Celtics. The Warriors will look to snap a mini two-game slide against Luka Doncic and the Mavs. That game is available on Sportsnet now. And the Reeling Lakers, losers of six of their last seven games, Mm -hmm. take on the Clippers at the Crypt on Sportsnet 360 at 10 Eastern time. Which of those matchups is most intriguing to you, Timmy? Okay, so the Celtics uh, have turned it around a little bit. Yeah. And... Before I go negative, I want to go positive. And just to see what the Celtics... Listen, I thought this... They've got a couple injuries right now, but um, they've won 19 in their last 25 games. They have the best winning percentage over those 25 games in the Eastern Conference. And they've done it with defense. And that's what impresses me the most because we know they've got talent on that team and we kept waiting for that team to kind of bust out with that talent. And I believe that you still win championships with defense in the NBA. And their defense has been elite. Golden State has the number one defensive rating in that time in the NBA. The Celtics are two. So it's going to be interesting to see what this matchup is tonight. But also the Lakers and the Clippers. Like, what the hell is going on there? And have they given up? Like, I want to talk about Russell Westbrook for a second. But I want to mention it within the context of he is one of the greatest players that I've ever seen in my life. The guy averaged triple doubles, right? Like mm-hmm. He averaged, plural, triple doubles in the National Basketball Association. There is obviously a high level of talent. But when you get to that height, to get over the hump, sometimes you have to do other things well. And he has never... He played with Kevin Durant. He played with James Harden. Then he got what he wanted somewhere else. And never has it ever worked for him. And in February and March, he is averaging 14 points per game. Actually, 13.7. Six rebounds, five assists, shooting 35% from the floor. 14% from three. And he hasn't had double-digit assists in eight games. Like, for one of the greatest players that we have ever seen to put up numbers like this, suggests to me that he just doesn't have the mental toughness to push through when it matters most. Does that mean that he's a terrible player? Hell no. But when the common theme in a lot of these stories is Russell Westbrook, sometimes you've got to say, maybe it's that common theme. That's very interesting because you look at the teams that he's played for and sort of the drop-off. When, when he was uh, the man, when he was averaging those triple-doubles, like that was the reason why because he didn't really have anybody to compete with. Mm-hmm. But then when he was playing with Harden, Harden's very ball-dominant. You play with the well, Lakers. He had Durant. Le- like, that team is, could have been unbelievable. That OKC at the beginning, team at the beginning could of have career. been unbelievable. Yes. And the reason why Durant left, some people thought, oh, he's chasing rings. Maybe he couldn't get along with Russell Westbrook. Possible. Because LeBron now, you would think, is he dominates the ball. And, and if Russell can't do that, he's not going to put up the same numbers that he was previously. But and he's sh- never been a good shooter. But he should be able to make an impact some yeah. way with that ridiculous athletic. Like, for a while there, he might have been the best athlete in any sport. Yeah. Like, just straight, flat athlete. Jump, run. Like, 
ridiculous. Did you become as numb to the triple doubles as I did during that run? Yeah, like, it was I, so I got, ridiculous. I got mad when other players were boxing out for him. Yeah. I put it in one of my rants one time about, like, he had someone else had no one to box out for them. Because he, he, they were just boxing out for him. Yeah. They were literally like Carmelo Anthony, I remember, like, boxing out for him. It's ridiculous. I think it was Carmelo Anthony. Uh, would you like to look at my bets? Just so, just, just. Sure. So that guy, people don't think I'm full of bleep. I'll give you Thank my you. account and you can Thank go you. through. Those are my live bets, right? Oh, yes. oh hold on. No, I got it. I got, got it. it. Daryl Sutter. Okay. Uh, Golden State Warriors. To what? Uh, to win yeah, the yeah. title. And that was at what? Uh, that was at plus 800. Right. Uh, Josh Giddy, rookie of the year. Eh. Yeah, whatever. You can cash out half. You got rookie of, the, rookie of the month. Scotty Barnes, rookie of the year. Yeah. So that's why you took that angle today. You want it. You want it bad. Uh, Denver Nuggets to win outright. Yeah, that one's not looking so good. Although um, when Jamal comes back. It might and be. Michael Porter Jr. too is coming yeah. back. So, I mean, you can't hit them all. If you were to hit all of them, you wouldn't be here. You'd be in Vegas. Any more? Is there any more in there? I don't think so. I think that's it. Unless I'm crazy. Did I miss one? Slide down. Oh, that might be only cash outs. That's you cash, outs. cash outs. That's cash outs, yeah. All right, before we go to break, I want to give uh, one tip of the ca- I-, I wanted you to read that so that people would know that I'm not full of bleep. I'm reading all your DMs now. You're doing that, I just don't want to say that I'm out here betting everything. I'm not betting everything. There's a few sprinkles here and i like my futures oh what All is right. that five thousand per bet that's crazy <laughs> quick tip of the cap to our friend uh nick stauskas the pride of mississauga i don't know if you've seen this jesse he's playing in the g league right now he scored a hundred points in his last two games last night stauskas had 43 for the grand rapids gold in their win over the lakeland magic the night before he had 57 against the wisconsin herd here's what makes it special He's made 20 of 28 three-point attempts in those two games. 20 of 28 from three. Someone needs to give this man a 10-day. Don't the Raptors need shooting? Like, that's the one thing that they didn't address at the trade deadline. There was like, go get shooting, and they didn't get it. I think this is like, he's a little bit older. Right. I think this is a really good team who needs a shooter off the bench. Needs to go and get Nick Stauskas. Yeah. Like, the Raptors want to cultivate someone that can hang around for a while to do that for them. If they just need it right now, hell yeah. But if I'm Stauskas and I'm putting up those kind of numbers, I'm looking for a good team to add me and give me a shot at a ring off of the bench. Seems Although like you I, deserve it after those two games. Like 20 of 28 any league Can't is that ridiculous. Still to come, the GOAT. Marie-Philippe Poulain joins us to discuss Olympic gold and how the hell she does it every damn time in the clutch. Mark Spector ahead of the Oilers and Hawks, as well as the Flames and Habs. Ryan Leslie will drop by. Plus, after the break, we keep the NBA talk rolling. The legend, Kenny the Jet Smith, stops by to talk Raptors, Sixers, Lakers, and more. This is Tim and Friends. Are you running the 40 tomorrow? I know. We've seen the Leafs... Here comes up. Rack attack. Kevin Durant going hard to the hole. A golden goal from Marie Philippe Houlin. Captain Canada has done it. Is that r- roughly 40 yards? 736. You're all against me. That's a solid 6 1. This is Tim and Friends. Great NBA schedule tonight. 
including three on the Sportsnet family of platforms, 730 Eastern, Sportsnet 360. Kevin Durant makes his return after a six-week absence with a knee injury as Nets host Kyle Lowry in the Heat coming off a tough loss last night to the Milwaukee Bucks. On Sportsnet now, Steph and the Warriors take on Luka and the Mavs. That tips off at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 Pacific. And the nightcap on Sportsnet 360 sees the reeling Lakers face the Clippers for the second time in a week. Tales from the crypt, kids. Clippers beat them last Friday, but everyone seems to be beating the Lakers these days. Tip-off, 10 p.m. Eastern on Sportsnet 360 and Sportsnet Now. Joining us now is a uh, part of the TNT doubleheader, which is a wee bit different than our doubleheader because it includes the Grizzlies and the Celtics. It's from inside the NBA. Pretty damn good player in the NBA. Pretty damn good player in the NCAA. Pretty damn good player at Bishop Malloy, I believe, in New York City. It is Kenny the Jet Smith joining us now. What's on? Kenny, how are you, man? I'm in a car, but I'm not driving. Okay, good. You, were, you have parked the car, but you are uh, you are not driving. Oh, you're not exactly. driving. It's not parked. It's whatever. I got you. No, I'm not driving. I got I'm in you. the car. But Someone else is driving. There you go. Now took, you got it. <laughs> took me a couple <laughs> seconds. Like my wife says, I'm Kenny. being driven, not driving. <laughs> it takes me a little while. All right, so let's talk about that first one. Celtics and Grizzlies. I was just talking about how the Celtics have the best record in the Eastern Conference over the last 25 games, taking on a Grizzlies team that seems to have turned the corner, especially with Ja Morant. What's the most intriguing part of this matchup for you? Oh, let's trade Jalen Brown or trade Jason Tatum. What (laughs) happened to those talks? (laughs) They have gone away. They've gone away. You know, for me, I think the biggest thing for Boston is – They've created a, a, a style of play and a pace. So when you watch the Celtics play, you go, okay, they're going to play this way, and you have to beat them playing that way. Um, they, they, they share the basketball. You talk about their defense improve. I think their shot selection has improved, mm-hmm. So which in terms can help. It helps their defense. Yeah. Um, and, and for me, I think um, it's, it's been fun to watch. It shows that they're either a piece of way, a player away, or a couple games away from being an Eastern Conference adversary that could win it. You know, they could be just a piece away. Uh, I think size-wise, you know, Embiid probably is the guy who they would probably fear the most because I don't know if they have the size to guard him. Mm-hmm. But other than that, they say, hey, we can run up and down possibly with Brooklyn, and, you know, we can defend them at certain positions, and we're going to be hard to guard as well. All right, I was just talking to Jesse about uh, one of the bets that I have for this year. And at the start of the year, I got Ja Morant at plus 4,000 to lead the NBA in scoring. And my guy is starting to – I had almost given up on it, Kenny. And now as I look at the leaders in the NBA – What do you mean when you say you got plus 4,000? Explain that's for the layman like myself. So that plus 4,000 is basically 400 to 1. Mm Mm-hmm. For him to oh. win. So, and, and listen, I'm not a big-time gambler. I, I walked down that road before, and I didn't like it all that much. <laughs> and, and so I sprinkle. I have some fun with it, Kenny. I'm sure. I thought You know what I thought you meant by plus 4,000? And this could be a good – maybe they should start doing these kind of like, – what's it called? A parlay bet. Yeah. Where we, we, we will give you 1,000 points if you take John Morant as the leading scorer. So meaning right. he might not lead it, but you get 1,000 points. 
if he does. I got you. Like he comes, you see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, I got you. I was like, they're giving you four thousand. I would have took that bet. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, Yeah. I don't even gamble. Uh, So I I bet forty two bucks, which would cash out over seventeen hundred bucks if he ends up winning it. Now he is sixth in the NBA in scoring, but let's let's just talk about his team for a flash because like this growth with Ja and the team might be among the more impressive stories in all of the NBA. Well, I think what makes it impressive is not the fact that they're, like, he's playing well. It's the fact that they are playing well in in that regard. Like, they are really difficult to guard, multiple positions, have won um, a a lot with him, and won more at times without him. So, you know, they, you know, they are what we thought Denver was maybe like two years ago. Remember when we were talking about yeah. Denver and they had all the young players and before Murray gets hurt, before Porter gets hurt, we're like, this is a team young enough in the next five to six years that they're going to be contending for the, the Western Conference Finals. And I think that's why we're looking at, barring injury, that these guys could be. You know, Dylan Brooks, obviously, we're a little biased up here because uh, he's Canadian. Very. Uh, <laughs> but uh, he's a piece, too, that is a part of what they're doing there. And, listen, I just – I like what the Grizzlies are doing, and I like the makeup of their team, and I really think that nobody wants to face – I don't know if they're there yet, but nobody wants to face them. No, I, I agree with you. I think the one thing that you have is you have youth, athleticism, and you have some um, experience with Adams. You have, you know, guys who really know what they're doing um, on the defensive end. They don't just win games to me offensively either. That's what makes them, I think, unique. You know, most young teams, they outscore you. They outrun you. They're difficult to guard because they're athletic and all the other things that comes with being young. This, This team has more than that. And I think that's what makes them so intriguing and so dangerous. The Sixers go to 3-0 and with uh, James Harden in the lineup. Are you buying what they're selling in Philly? Oh, yeah. I mean, yes. I mean, James Harden, um, as Joel Embiid probably said, he makes the game much easier for him. But in terms of, I always said when they were like, well, will James sacrifice? He sacrificed when he went to Brooklyn. He was on the verge of being an MVP candidate last year before he got hurt. He and, and he was, you know, getting 15, 16 assists and still getting 25 points. He knows how to play the point position, um, which makes it easier for him, I think, because he doesn't have to score, honestly, to be great anymore in his career. So let me ask you this. I mean – it's almost a big three now in Philadelphia. I like Tyrese Maxey a lot. Um, and I think he's done a real good job of fitting in with those two dudes so far. But the Brooklyn Nets are still the favorites to win the Eastern Conference. Who do you think gets further? Ben Simmons and the Brooklyn Nets or James Harden and the Philadelphia 76ers? Well, if I had to pick one, I would take the 76ers because I haven't seen what Ben Simmons is going to do. Right. Uh, I don't see how, what he's going to add to the team. I don't see what the team has added with him. Uh, then they're also talking about injuries. We're also talking about New York really hasn't passed the law yet where he could play home games in Kyrie. So with all those in variables and, and yep. possibilities, 
I would definitely go with I would definitely go with this Philadelphia 76ers would have a longer stint. Do you think we see uh, Ben Simmons at point or do you think it'll be Kyrie and they might use him as a forward? Like how do you see the fit for Ben Simmons in Brooklyn? You're the GM there because I think you should be a GM in this league very soon but you're the GM there. How would you use him? Well, if I was team president, let's go there. Team but, president. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you go get the horn for that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, No, I, I would, I would probably, I, I would say, Ben, you're going to be brought in here to be the accelerated version of Draymond Green. Right. Like you saw what Draymond did when he had Steph, Clay, and and um, and Kevin. You're you're that plus you're athletic, and I think you're a better defender. So let's go do it. And when you get the rebound, you're pushing it up. Uh, other than that, Kyrie obviously can do it. But just you could do exactly what with, with, um, Draymond does, but you're a better finisher. You're more athletic and you're bigger. So let's go. Let's go win a championship. It's funny. We were just making the comparison. Scotty Barnes similarly to Draymond Green. Like his ceiling is Draymond Green, but a bit more athletic. Uh, listen, before I let you go, you know I can't let you let you go without talking about the Lakers. And you, you have defended the Lakers. I understand why you've defended the Lakers, because they haven't been healthy and they haven't been able to show what they truly could be. But have they run out of time to figure out what they can be for this season, Kenny the Jetsmith? Like the sands of the hourglass, <laughs> these are the days of our lives. But I'll tell you what, the sand, it, is, it is ticking because there, there has to be a point where you do play together and then create some chemistry. No matter how good of players they are, you know, and you bring them back, no matter what kind of dream team you could put together, if you don't practice or you don't play together, you don't have chemistry and it doesn't work as easily and games that are close, you lose. Games that you should win by 20, you win by eight. So, yes, I do believe that, you know, we're about two weeks out. If this guy, if we don't see Anthony Davis in two weeks, less than two weeks, um, we can start looking for draft picks. The jam is done. D-U-N done. Do you think that, I mean, listen, obviously in a lot of these spots, and I hate talking about whether or not a coach loses his job, but there always seems to be a scapegoat, a fall guy. Do you think the Lakers in a market like that can get away with not having a fall guy for what's happened this year? Well, the fall guy so far has been Russell Westbrook in terms of players. Yeah. And, you know, and, and when, you, when your expectations is to win a championship and you fall short, and not only fall short, but the level that you're falling short, even regardless of injury, because, uh, you you know, you look at, like we talked about Memphis. They had, John Morant was out. They still won. Right. Like, it, it doesn't matter what it is. They're like, someone else is going to be, they're going to they're gonna point fingers. It is Los Angeles, high profile. And you have three guys who are on the top 75 team of all time <laughs> that are nowhere near, they're sniffing the playoffs. Like, right. that is not a good recipe <laughs> for keeping your position as a player coach or management no that's not a good recipe understood uh we always appreciate the time future team president Kenny the Jets, man. my guys all right <laughs> all right be well man all right there is uh kenny the jet waiting to get out of his car and into his hotel uh jonathan writes in mm-hmm. and says hate to say it tim and friends but kenny is 100 percent driving let's be real 
He, uh, I, I couldn't tell. I don't think he was. <laughs> Got to laugh. Yeah. Yeah. You don't was, think he was? No, I think he's in one of those really big cars because he's that guy yeah. in the United States. I think you could tell at one point when he was talking, like, the background was moving, and he very clearly wasn't looking at the road. So there's no way he was. Okay. There's no way he was driving. Yeah, I think it was just. It looked like he was in the front seat because the car was that big. Yeah, he was not driving. All right, uh, Heat and Nets, Sportsnet 360. Warriors, Mavericks is on Sportsnet now. Lakers, Clippers is on Sportsnet 360. It's a nice slate. Raptors also playing, by the way. They're just not on this station, so I'm not going to mention them. How, how do you think about, uh, what do you, we don't have time for this, do we? I was no. going to ask you, okay, fine. No. no, that's fine. I was just going to ask you about OG, but we can get to that another time. Yeah, another time. <laughs> time for a break. We'll get your feedback. Maybe Jesse will ask that question. And a reminder, Marie-Philippe Poulain will join us in hour number two. She the GOAT? Might ask you. Still to come on this edition of Tim and Friends, Marie-Philippe Poulain will join the fray, as will Jean Principe, Ryan Leslie, and Mark Spector as we get you set for a night of hockey, which includes both Alberta teams and the Vancouver Canucks in action. Five Canadian teams in all on the ice. Speaking of Canadian teams, some updates from the Toronto Raptors as they host the Detroit Pistons and Dwayne Casey tonight. Uh, Nick Nurse speaking right now. Fred Van Vliet will not play. He's out once again with the knee. Thaddeus Young also out of the lineup along with OG Ananobi. So when we were talking about that uh, Pistons plus nine bet earlier in the program with Dwayne mm-hmm. Casey, mm-hmm. eight and three all time against the Toronto Raptors as the head coach of the Detroit Pistons, uh, that has now gone down to eight and may go down even lower with this information. So do you think that the line moved because we said we maybe were going to sprinkle on the Pistons or no. because Fred Van Vliet's out of the lineup? Because Fred Van Vliet's out of the lineup. You think, eh? And I think there might be more people right now heading to those books attempting to get in on the... But listen, against Brooklyn, they were down a bunch of guys. That's what, yeah, that's what I was going to so. say. Yeah. Uh, Never how a mu- lock. How, how much of a... Of a Kick in the pants, should we say? This? Do you think this OG Ananobi injury is? Uh, just, <laughs> like I, I, I really enjoyed seeing the hamster the run hamster around the wheel. The hamster was going. Because you didn't want to say kick in the... Yeah. Yeah. You could say... I could, I could do that. could have just said nuts. Pants I mean, was easier. should have said cashews. Pants came to me. Right? Could have yeah. gone walnuts. There's a yeah. lot of options I could have gone with, but right. yeah. You, in the patootie. I, I thought, but isn't kicking the pants is like a real saying? Yeah. The no, no, I know, but I think that isn't you... Isn't a real saying. I think you wanted to say the thing that I just said. Oh, there's, ma- there's many times you want to... Yeah, <laughs> but you can't. So you, you change it out, we swap it out with pants. All right, so uh, this two weeks for OG Ananobi? Yeah, well, the, the, the disconcerting... That's another word for you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that, the disconcerting part of it for me is that it's two weeks, and then he gets reevaluated after the two weeks, which... I didn't like very much. No, I think we, I think we've gone back and forth on this one. And I think Nick Nurse, when he was doing, I don't know if you saw the press availability, but he was really trying to find the right words to discuss what the hell was going on with mm. OG Ananobi's hand. And at that point, I realized if they don't really know, like this is going to be a sit and wait. And if it is two weeks reevaluated, and it's two more weeks, then you've got a problem. At this point, there's no wor- no uh, no use worrying over it. 
Like, it's two weeks. Yeah, I think we could look back on this little stretch here if they can sort of capture what they did against the, the Nets. And I, I know the Nets are playing without their three best players and shorthanded and whatever. But if they can find a way to sustain with Fred sitting out getting healthy, which is what we both said was probably a good idea, mm-hmm. and then welcome them both back into the fold, having survived this little stretch here, Yes. then they, they're capable of doing really good things, I think, in the future. Uh, it's a matter of this stretch here without those two guys. How are they going to cope? Uh, Duncan tweets in, uh, at Jesse Rubinoff, at Tim and Friends, at Tim McAuliffe, I think they've caught on to us. Closed, just Closed. like that. May have been Fred Van. Wow, it was, yeah, I guess, I guess so. For us. <laughs> Coming up, the Oilers finish off their road trip in Chicago. We'll check in with Gene Principe. The Flames try and stay red hot and have another chance at another franchise record as they host the Canadians. We'll visit with Ryan Leslie in Calgary, plus Mark Spector on all that, plus the Leafs and more. Tim and Friends continues on Sportsnet and Sportsnet 360. Please stick around. It's our livelihood. Back here, hour number two, Sportsnet and Sportsnet 360. Full hour on both. We are not cut off for any other show. You've got this whole grain goodness for a full 60 minutes. Still to come, the GOAT, Mary-Philippe Poulin, stops by to discuss golden Beijing and how the hell she does it in the clutch every damn time. Plus, Mark Spector in mere minutes ahead of a busy night on the ice involving five Canadian teams. We'll also check in with Gene Principe and Ryan Leslie. Jam-packed hour, but we start with the latest fallout in the sports world in relation to Russia's ongoing invasion of Ukraine. This update revolves around the Paralympics, and they have banned Russia and Belarus from competition. Now, the announcement came less than 24 hours after the Paralympic Committee announced it would let athletes compete as neutral athletes in the games which officially start tomorrow. IPC President Andrew Parsons said today that the reaction from other athletes and threats to boycott events from athletes plus tensions in the athletes' village were all factors in the decision. The opening ceremony goes tomorrow with the games running until March 13th. To that busy night in the world of hockey and the Oilers wrap up their road trip in Chicago tonight. You can see it nationally on Sportsnet East Ontario and one starting with Hockey Central, 8 Eastern, 6 local. Oilers are 2-2 two and two so far on the trip, which has been a tough one, and will ride Nico Koskinen once again. He's been stellar in his last two starts, has a 219 goals against average, and seven wins in his last eight starts overall. Speaking of stellar, let's bring in Gene Principe, who will be a part of tonight's <laughs> broadcast from the Sportsnet NHL studios. Gino, what's going on? Always nice to be introduced by uh, an award-winning nominee. So, Tim, thanks very much. (laughs) I I really appreciate that. And uh, tonight, you know, Tim and Friends is obviously a very popular theme. Uh, Tonight, it's Duncan 
and friends. Uh, that's Duncan Keith seeing old friends, and he's got new friends with him. So it really will be the big storyline coming into tonight. Here's a guy that has won a couple of Norris trophies, won a Conn Smythe, uh, won a couple of Olympic gold medals, won three Stanley Cups. And when he decided that he wanted to be closer to his son Colton, who lives in B.C., um, Edmonton seemed to be the perfect fit. Uh, came over in the summer, uh, really helped stabilize the Oilers' defense. He did uh, get hurt and was out three weeks, but is returning tonight for a second straight game. But it, It'll be strange for him to see guys like Jonathan Taves, who's back in the lineup, and Patrick Kane. In the case of Kane, they have uh, seen each other on opposite sides when representing their countries. Uh, but it was quite the return, and for anyone who might have seen it uh, through the Edmonton Oilers' social media channels yeah. and as well on Sportsnet, it was, uh, you know, I've never seen that before. Uh, and I know it was something that was put together. As always, they are the pulse of the team, and that's the equipment group, uh, the training staff, who spend hours and hours uh, making sure that players like Duncan Keith and others are uh, ready to go and prepared for their games. Uh, it, it was, I mean, heartwarming. It doesn't yeah. matter where you're from. Uh, here's a guy who's 38 years old and has done everything I just mentioned and more. And it would be something, I think, Tim, you would see at uh, kind of like a, a peewee tournament or a, a, a minor hockey tournament where a kid comes back to play and maybe they weren't expecting him and they do something special like that to uh, introduce him and welcome them back to a city that meant so much to him and a team that meant so much to him. So uh, I'd be kind of curious to see how, uh, how Duncan Keith responds tonight and how the fans respond. I assume it'll be a big cheer and a long cheer, but we'll wait to see exactly how it goes this evening for Keith and the Oilers against his old team with Kane Taves and the Hawks. As jaded as I have become in my old age, Gene Prince, I still kind of romanticize this stuff, and I feel like that's kind of a team-building thing, like newer head coach, and you, you try, so yeah. I feel like you can kind of bond on stuff like that. I couldn't agree with you more. Um, I, I, you know, it's, it's such a – if they hadn't done it, it would have been fine. But because they did do it, it just right. seems like it's such a huge thing. And, and I really expect that, uh, you know, you discussed the road trip. It's been a, a tough road trip facing three really good teams uh, in Tampa, Florida, and Carolina, getting one win, then evening up the record a couple of nights ago against Philadelphia. So to finish 3-2 and two on the trip would, would be wonderful. To get a win for Duncan Keith would be great. But I really feel like, uh, and we'll have to wait to see over the next few weeks, how this could be kind of one of those bonding moments, one of those turning points for a team with a new coach who's only been on the job basically three weeks uh, as well. So there's a lot going on for the Edmonton Oilers, and I think what they did yesterday uh, for Duncan shows how they feel about him and shows how close they are becoming Mm -hmm. and something you certainly need to have if you're going to have success in the regular season, Tim, and then eventually in the playoffs. Uh, Perfect, as always, the finely quaffed Gene Principe. Thank you, sir. You're welcome, pal. <laughs> uh, the Flames sitting pretty atop the Pacific Division. Just don't tell that to Daryl Sutter. They've won 12 of their past 13 games. The Flames host the Canadians tonight. And you can see it regionally on Sportsnet West. For more on this one, let's go live to Calgary and check in with the also finally quaffed, although I may be biased, Ryan Leslie. Ryan? Yes, Tim, with the empty netter there. Uh, and maybe uh, I need to be wearing Jim Peplinski's helmet. I thought oh, nice. Kenny Reed might enjoy this. Look at uh, that. Found this. Uh, we'll be presenting it to a hardworking uh, player of the game tonight. So stay tuned after the uh, Flames and Habs. And boy, oh boy, i got to say, it's an empty rink right now, but there's Montreal media to the left and to the right of me, and this building will be packed, Tim. Uh, full capacity, food, beverage, and fans. And the Sea of Red will be jumping for the first time in a long time. So we're very much looking forward to this tilt between these two old rivals 
And, you know, it was interesting hearing Marty St. Louis, the longtime former, I should say a long time ago, former Flame who was released by the club years ago and would go on to a Hall of Fame career. And we know all about his coaching prowess now. But he was kind of reminiscing a little bit about his time here, going up against Daryl over the years, uh, back when he was with the Rangers and Daryl was with the Kings. And just talking about Daryl was about how much pride he had uh, coaching against St. Louis and Le Cavalier and how he knows those guys are going to turn things around. But it was St. Louis who was talking about Johnny Gaudreau, who's got 67 points on the season, absolutely rolling, uh, and is in that Hart Trophy conversation, no doubt, as it gets a little louder each game. But he was just saying, you know, this guy has just turned into a complete pro, and you can see it's all about consistency in his game, and it's hard to argue. So uh, the Flames, as we know, have won 11 straight, a chance at going uh, 12 tonight here at home at the Scotiabank Saddle. That would be a franchise record, and, uh, you know, they have a chance to do it in front of some uh, crazy fans. So everything really rolling for Calgary right now. No changes. It's no surprise that uh, Jacob Markstrom will get the nod uh, between the pipes tonight, Tim. It's just uh, it really does feel like hockey is right. back and at the right time. Let's let's continue this uh, tie that binds and Tyler Toffoli faces his former team. Speaking of Kenny Reed, I guess they're calling him Teapot. Uh, but <laughs> Tyler Toffoli uh, seems to have fit in pretty well in Calgary. Yeah, five goals, uh, and a couple of assists, seven points in seven games. It's just and hard to believe he's on the third line, Tim. I mean, this guy has just fit in seamlessly. You can talk about all the connections from Daryl to Lucic and, you know, played junior with Sean Monaghan in Ottawa. There's all kinds of that. But really, it's uh, also now power play. He's been very effective, and, uh, you know, it has just been the right move at the right time. They kind of beat the the market, if you will, before the deadline. And, uh, you know, you kind of want to give a player some time to fit in. He hasn't needed it. He has been great. And uh, he's had some fun with the media. He's enjoying his time with the teammates. He's been effective. And so, obviously, he stays in Daryl's good graces. But you mentioned it off the top. Don't tell anybody that they're, uh, you know, a top team right now. He's still <laughs> deflecting wherever he can. It's, uh, it's adorable. But uh, they are the hottest team in Canada and one of the best teams in the league right now. Yeah, I said yesterday. I thought they are the best team in Canada. Love being in the rink. Love talking hockey with you. Thanks for doing this, Mr. Leslie. <laughs> there, is, there is Leslie with the bucket. Uh, we'll continue our little journey through the National Hockey League and the Canadian teams playing tonight as the Canucks continue their road trip on Long Island. Three-game winning streak came to a crashing halt at the hands of the Devils on Monday. The Canucks enter the night five points out of a playoff spot and all eyes, at least locally in the Lower Mainland, on the trade deadline to see the game. Sportsnet Pacific regionally, 7.30 Eastern, 4.30 Pacific. The Sens, meanwhile, continue their daunting road trip, similar to the Edmonton Oilers, where they stop in Florida to face the Panthers. It'll be followed by visits to Arizona, Vegas, and St. Louis. Good news for the Sens. Josh Norris returned to the lineup after missing 16 games. Chris Tierney is out for the rest of the road trip. All right. We talked about the uh, marquee kind of reading Alberta. And for that, we go to our good friend in northern Alberta, Mark Spector, who joins me now. Speck, welcome back to the show. Appreciate you doing this. Hey, pleasure to be here. Tim, what's going on? Uh, well, apparently a lot of hockey in Alberta. We got the Oilers, at least in Chicago, taking on the Blackhawks. And then we got the Flames at home to the Canadians. Let's start uh, with the market that you're in, in Edmonton. What's been the difference in your eyes in this uh, 7-3 and three mark under Jay Woodcroft? So here's the deal, right? The Oilers have been this team that always fancied itself this offensive juggernaut. You know, they, they would draft a guy first overall, and then everyone else would try to play like him. Right. Uh, and it's taken a long time to figure out, and a lot of heartbreak, 
that you can't just win games all year by trying to win 5-4. And I think under Jay Woodcroft, it's the right mix of coach. And, and I'm not going to lie to you. I think every coach has been telling them this for a long time. I think the players have finally realized it's true. And I think their best players certainly are playing a fantastic defensive game. Uh, I don't think under Woodcroft, the dry, Leon Drysdale has been scored on on even strength yet. And their team is playing the kind of game that can win a 2-1 game in May. They played a very patient game in Philly. It was boring. There wasn't a lot of entertainment value. It was low event. And the Oilers won 3-0. And this isn't a team that's won many of those games in the past, Tim. And they're beginning to look like a team that can play that kind of hockey and win at that kind of hockey when it counts. All right. The the one guy who can always make a coach look smart or... Very dumb is the goaltender. And Mikko Koskinen strung a few together. He gets the call tonight again in Chicago. We've seen flashes from Mikko. The problem is sustainability. Have you seen any difference other than others attempting to help a little bit more when it comes to Koskinen? Yeah, there, there's a couple things on Koskinen. Like, okay. That's the deal. He's a, he's a good backup. He's going to back up somewhere in the NHL next year, Timmy. I mean, on any team that I can think of, he can come in and be your backup. As long as he's playing, you know, 40% of the games, he's very, very good. In Eminent, Mike Smith gets hurt too much of late, and he has to play way more than he should, and he gets, you know, we all learn again why he's not a number one, but a real good number two. So that's the first thing. He's only playing as much as he should be playing, and he's playing exceptionally well. The second thing is the chances against him, because his team's playing far better defensively, have been much more savable. You know, yeah, Philly had 39 shots the other night, but there was a bit of score effect in there, and he didn't have to stand in his head and make a bunch of circus stops. He just made the stops he was supposed to make. He gets a 3 nothing shutout. So Koskinen has been good. The team's been sound defensively. And now that Smith is back and playing his share of the games, you got the kind of formula Ken Holland figured he'd have when this season started. Uh, we were just talking about uh, Duncan Keith and his return to Chicago and kind of what the team did for him in Chicago. Uh, Gene Principi and I were, were kind of sort of romanticizing it, saying it can be one of those team-building moments. But how has Duncan Keith fit in as a veteran to this Edmonton team? So uh, allow an old eye test guy to give it to the analytics folks for just a minute here. Will <laughs> yes. you, Tim? Is that fair? Yes, without a doubt. So if you're one of the people that said intangibles don't matter, I want you to watch that video of the Oilers players as Duncan Keith walks into the dressing room in a, in a fairly well-rehearsed stunt here. I, I want you to look at the faces of the players on the Oilers, all his teammates, and how they're looking and the fun they're having, Right. And what they're creating here, I'm not going to overestimate this. They still got to drop the puck and play a hockey game tonight. But does this not look like a team that's rallied together? Does this not look like a bunch of guys that really like each other? Watch this now, Leon Drysaddle's face. Look at Leon Drysaddle, right? Does he not look like a guy that's been brought into a team that that's part of something you want? Teams that do this can have success. Teams that don't do this, do they have success? I don't know. I couldn't tell you that. But I think Duncan Keith, A, has been an exceptionally good second-pair defenseman. He's been a very good player in this team and an excellent pickup. But if you don't think that having that player has changed this dressing room and has brought this team the kind of intangibles that a lot of people scoff at, well, you got to watch that video a few times, and I, I dare you to disagree with me. 
All right, Speck, uh, we might get to the best team in Canada in Calgary in a flash, but Ryan Nugent Hopkins just placed on IR. Kyle Turris activated from the IR. Any of this surprise you? Uh, no, not at all. Uh, uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins has a shoulder injury. You know, the, the Oilers have a bunch of injuries this year. Like, I, you know, they're not complaining. Everyone gets injuries. They've had a ton. Uh, had their share of them, I should say. And Ryan Nugent Hopkins is a very important player on this team, and he's going to be gone for a couple more weeks. So, you know, how good will they be if they ever get healthy? I guess we're going to find that out. Uh, I'm looking at a Calgary team that is, oh, boy, are they a good hockey team. And I'm knocking wood, as I say it. They've also been pretty healthy this year. So yeah. uh, it's kind of chicken or egg, right? If you're good because you're healthy or you're healthy because you're good, I'm not sure. But the Flames are healthy, and they're good. Uh, this doesn't have to be chicken and egg. When you get good goaltending, usually you are better off. Is that the difference? Because um, yesterday on this show, I said that the Calgary Flames are the best team in Canada. Don't tell Daryl Sutter. The Leafs went out and made me look good by, by laying an absolute egg against the Buffalo Sabres. But it feels like Markstrom is the difference why I think Calgary can go deeper in the postseason than, say, Edmonton or Toronto. Well... I mean, look at there's a couple ways to look at this, Tim, right? Okay. Every year they, they say, you know, my bosses at sportsnet.ca to myself and Elliot and, and probably even you, Tim, and everybody, give us your playoff predictions. And yeah. I take eight series and I go, okay, this series I can figure. And I think this series. And then there's going to be four series where I'm not sure. Yeah. So I look at the goaltenders, right? Right. Who's got the better goaltenders? So I'm, I'm picking the Leafs against Florida. I'm going, let's see, Jack Campbell or Sergei Bobrovsky? And then I'm going... Jack Campbell or uh, Vasilevsky, right? Or I'm going Mikko Koskinen against, um, you know, most guys at this point, (laughs) frankly. (laughs) Right? And so certainly when you look at Calgary and Jacob Markstrom, I put Jacob Markstrom up against any guy. So, yes, they have as good or, you know, certainly out west here, they have as good a goaltending as there is in the conference. And they have a team that's playing the kind of hockey in front of them that I'm watching Calgary play here in in March, and they're playing the kind of hockey that wins games in May and June. So they're practicing up on playoff hockey. They can play it. They're proving to themselves they can play it. Uh, The Oilers are trying to figure out how to play that hockey. Flames figured it out about two months ago. So it's advantage Flames in Alberta right now. They're playing on Monday night, boys. It's going to be a beauty. Yeah, it is going to be a beauty. Monday night, Battle of Alberta. They'll do it again. I just uh, I, I scratched the surface with Ryan Leslie on the Tyler Toffoli deal, but I really like that addition on a Daryl Sutter coach team. Like It just seems like they've added another type of Daryl Sutter player that, will, that can make a difference in the postseason. Aren't they, aren't they they're looking like that Kings team that won the Cup in... Would they win the cup in 18 games that year? Yeah, they just made a um, run with Johnny Quick, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think they lost two games in four series. So that's, you know, Tyler Toffoli is the perfect Daryl Sutter player. He's, you know, that I, I don't love the word 200-foot player, but you can trust him all over the ice. But he's also got really good hands, and he knows what to do with a chance when he gets it, right? This is a, a I'm not going to say he's an elite offensive player, but he's an above-average offensive player, and he's also above-average defensive player, uh, and he can skate. So what do you need, right? This is a, He'll make Daryl Sutter's team look better, Tim. He'd also make every other coach's team look better too, right? Yeah, last one for you, and we'll stay in the Pacific because uh, the Canucks are in action tonight, and I think this is a real intriguing team as the deadline approaches. What does your gut tell you about what the Vancouver Canucks could do 
heading into the deadline and then at the deadline as a hockey team and then as a front office? Well, look, deadlines are about buyers and sellers. Yep. And the first thing that you got to figure out is the mirror, right? Every year. Are you, you got to look in the mirror and you got to say, what am I? Well, I'll bet you anything that, I mean, I know Jimmy Rutherford a little bit, and he's an experienced, smart guy that knows what a Stanley Cup contender looks like. He's looking at his team and he's saying, we're a seller, right? There's, there's no point being a buyer here. But he also has an owner that has a history of telling his people, give me some playoff dates, right? I want some playoff dates here. So that's the tug of war. In my opinion, I'm not in those offices, but I'm here to tell you that's the tug of war in Vancouver is the GM who says, I've got a couple of nice assets that can help me down the road. And I want to be a seller and an owner that's saying, man, you know, we're not that far off. Like I could use a few playoff gates here, Jimmy. They got to sort that out. Yeah, we lost some attendance along here. Yeah, we could could use a couple (laughs) of dollars in the old coffers, uh, Mr. Rutherford. Uh, It's a fascinating one for Vancouver. We'll see how they play over the next little while, and that might determine it for them, or at least make it a lot easier. Spec, you always make it a lot easier for me. Thanks for doing this. All right, Timmy. Uh, there is Mark Spector in the greater Edmonton area. Time for a break. We'll get some feedback on the other side. Plus, one of my favorite players on planet Earth, any sport, Marie-Philippe Poulain, live in just a few minutes right here on Tim and Friends. How do you continue to score clutch goals over and 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 over Welcome back to Tim and Friends. The Toronto Raptors host former coach Dwayne Casey and the Pistons tonight in Scotiabank Arena. Freddie Van Vliet will miss his third straight game while he continues to nurse the knee injury. Thaddeus Young also out for tonight's game. This is non-COVID illness while OG Ananobi remains out and is expected to be sidelined two weeks with his finger injury. Meanwhile, the draw was made today for the Women's FIBA World Cup, which is going In September, Canada was drawn into Group B along with France, Serbia, Japan, Nigeria, and the hosts, Australia. Now, Canada currently ranked fourth in the world but really struggled at the Olympic Games. Australia, the only team in their group ranked above them, but France, Japan, Serbia, all top ten in the world. So that is a tough draw, excuse me, for the women's side. We'll see if they can make up for the struggles that they had in Tokyo this summer, which cost Lisa Tomitis, who stepped away as the head right. coach of the team. Um, so you gave a, a very elaborate answer when I asked you a question about the Leafs last night, and mm-hmm. then we went and posted the answer online on Tim and Friends. Oh, it's already up. It's already up. Uh-huh. And it has precipitated uh, responses. So I figured now was a perfect time. Okay, so for those who weren't with us, uh, the synopsis was the difference between good and great is consistency, and this Toronto Maple Leafs team, while good, needs to be more consistent to be great, and they're going to need to be great when they face whoever they face in the first round, most probably in this division. Yeah, before I get to answers, it did feel like last night was sort of like a playoff game where the Leafs didn't show up, which you've seen over the last number of years. They just didn't have it. And we've seen it in the playoffs specifically. Do you remember Sean McKenzie came on the show yesterday and said they have this tendency to play down to their competition? Was that not the epitome of what McKenzie said to us? Sean. Yeah. It's up. Without a doubt. Deserves it. And it was funny because what I said to him before that was, 
Oh, they're starting Peter Morazic. They might not need the goaltender against the Buffalo Sabres. Well, they needed the goaltender and the offense and got neither. That's right. Yeah. Uh, okay, let's get to a couple of answers. Steve says uh, they didn't have to learn how to be great. They got paid before they're great. Yeah, that's a big part of what we're doing in all of sports right now. And I know that there's kids out there. There's a generation out there that understands that this is the way it is and thinks that, that the way, that's the way it always has been. It wasn't. And there are a lot of people out there that believe that you have to earn the money that you make instead of being paid on potential. And at these high salaries, like what we're talking about here, like $10, $9 million, in baseball you see it too, the incentive to be great goes down a little bit. Now, a lot of these guys at this level have a pre-built will to be the greatest and the money doesn't matter but there are a few who when they get their money like Alexander Ovechkin without a doubt enjoyed a little bit of his time with a big paycheck and lived it to the max before he got his Stanley Cup and that's just the truth that's just the way it is and now he's pointed towards greatness he is one of those guys who has figured it out but that takes some time so it's a solid point uh, let's give Chris his flowers as well, similar to what Sean McKenzie had to say. They play down to their opponents sometimes. That is frustrating, and uh, I would imagine that's frustrating for all Leaf fans, and particularly the ones in attendance last night who decided to boo the Leafs off yeah. the ice. Uh, deservingly so. Nolan says, I agree with mostly everything Tim says here. The one thing I'll disagree with on is the end. I don't think there will or should be major changes. This team is very good, and they're making their way to being in that category of great you don't get there without this process. I, I tend to agree with that, but this is getting into a little bit too long of a process for a market like this. Um, I, I don't necessarily agree with what I'm saying, Nolan, <laughs> theory-wise. I just think that's the reality. I don't think that everyone lasts. I think that there will be a major change, whether it's at the top, whether it's in the front office, or whether it's with one of your key players on this team. I think there is a move to be made if they don't get out of the first round. Uh, Plate for right, the final one here. Uh, <laughs> Habs fan? Which, yeah, uh, Habby44. Yeah. At, yeah, yeah. Uh, finally, a neutral broadcaster that tells it like they see it. Thank you. So I try my best. I try. Uh, yeah, Not a lot of people see that. <laughs> well, accuse me of being a fan of the Habs. Accuse me of being a fan of the Oilers. Accuse me of being a fan of the Leafs. I've been accused of being a fan of every well, team out there. How many people, like this is, this is your job to talk about every single team. How many people as fans of one team talk about other teams all the time? They don't. They don't. Right? They don't, yeah. It's all nature. right, on the other side, the GOAT, Captain Clutch, whatever you want to call her. We will call her Mary Philippe Poulain. She will join us next to discuss Canada's performance in Beijing. And with all due respect to Haley Wickenheiser, it's a conversation. That's all I'm saying. Tim and friends, Mary Philippe Poulain, next, right here on Sportsnet. She is the best player in women's hockey today. She's a beautiful player to watch. Poulain streaking in There's one for the highlight reel. Do we just offer Mary Philippe Poulain up as evidence that there is clutch? <laughs> He's for Poulain's shot! She scores! Another overtime winner. She's done it at Worlds. She's done it at the Olympics. It's so unheard of, but she is. She's Captain Clutch, and she pulls through in those big moments. Here's Marie Philippe Poulain! She shoots! This game is over! A golden goal from the 
She has three gold medals. She's got three golden goals. The numbers are ridiculous. How the hell does Maddie Fitting Blaine do what she does? I said it off the top of today's show that my time in sports, like 27 years in this business and the rest of my life as a wannabe athlete in a crazy sports family, there are three sayings that have stayed tried, tested, and true. They are as follows. The difference between good and great is consistency. Hard work beats talent when talent does not work hard. And special players make special plays on special days. Marie-Philippe Poulain embodies them all. And I'm not sure how many people I can say that about. I may be counting on one hand kind of thing. I'll just flat out say it. One of my favorite players on planet Earth, regardless of sport, joins me now, three-time Olympic gold medalist, Marie-Philippe Poulain. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Quite an introduction, let me tell you. <laughs> not bad. I don't do that for many people. But let me tell you, uh, it is due in your case. Well, thank you. Appreciate that. It feels like gold medal number three was like a couple days ago. But have you had some time to like let it sink in? Like, have you put on all three gold medals and just like sauntered around the house yelling what's up or, you know, I don't see, let's go. Like, what are we doing here with the three gold medals? <laughs> I actually have not done that yet. No. I eventually take a look for sure. But no, it's been a great two weeks just being able to enjoy it with the uh, so my family and friends, and uh, no, it goes by fast. It's already been two weeks, but uh, still inclined now for sure. Are you the type of person that's always pushing forward, or can you take a step back and realize like what you've accomplished over the last decade and a bit? It's funny you say that. I feel I have to tell myself uh, a lot of time to just take a breather and take a step back and realize that uh, a little bit of my career. I think it's been pretty surreal. Uh, pretty lucky to be honest, been surrounded by so many great players and everything I've accomplished so far but uh, I do have to take a step back sometimes and realize what just happened for sure. We're showing your ridiculous resume. I read that you don't like talking about yourself. Is that true? It's very true. So <laughs> that's why I was a little caught, caught off guard with that introduction. That's for sure. <laughs> okay, so let me do it for you as if I already have it. But whether it's Captain Clutch or special players make special plays on special days, it's amazing to read off the numbers. And I've done it a couple times, whether you've been on the show or not. You've now scored in every gold medal game that you've played in at the Olympics. That's four of them. You're the only player ever, male or female, to do that at the Olympic Games. And not just scored but scored the goals, three gold medals, and you've scored the game winner in every single one of them. What do you think when I say stuff like that? Uh, pretty awesome to hear, not going to lie, but pictures, all the, these girls are the reason why that happens. Uh, I've been so lucky in my career to, to be surrounded by so many great players. I've started my career to play with my idols where I watch on TV. Those are women that paved the way for all of us and for all those years we, we created such a great culture on this team and the last one was very special. I got to play, I had the chance to play with Jenner and, and Nurse and they made me look good out there and uh, it's great. It's awesome. It's hard to put into words but it's a pretty awesome feeling for sure. How cool is it to see Nurse set a record for the Olympic Games and points in, in total uh, for, for Sarah? Unbelievable. I was so happy for her. She's had a tough year for sure with an injury. Uh, the way she came back uh, was unbelievable. She she took that uh, from game one of the Olympics and she just uh, went all the way through and uh, truly happy and truly an honor to have the chance to play with her. 
Okay, so Cami Granado, who's a Hall of Famer and on the other side, that American side, said, and I quote, I don't know one other women's hockey player that is in that many big situations and is that clutch. She's the one. She's talking about you. She says, look up clutch in the dictionary, and it's her. There's her picture. There's no disputing that. I had Anne-René Debien on the show along with Natalie Spooner, and I asked how the hell you do it. They didn't have an answer. So do you know how this moment always seems to find you in the clutch? That's a great question. I still ask myself, to be honest, when things happen like that, it, it's quite surreal. Uh, like I, I, I love to, to do extra reps. I love to work hard on and off the ice. Uh, sometimes just doing an extra rep, I tell myself one day it's going to happen, it's going to pay off, and it does and sometimes you don't see it right away sometimes there is hardship i'm not gonna lie i'm pretty lucky that uh we, we only got we, we we got a couple gold medal last in my career but there is hard work there there is tough ship there is tough moments where you ask yourself why it's you don't always see the hardship but when you have the right people around you when you surround yourself with the right uh, group i think uh, things can go a long way and that that, that hard work is going to pay off at some point the more you sweat in practice, the less you bleed in competition, I believe is the saying. <laughs> um, is there anything that you do in those moments? Like, I, I, I've talked to a lot of great athletes in my time, and I love when kids are watching, and they'll come up to me at, like, my kids' hockey games or baseball games, and they'll ask me about uh, a certain player in certain conversations. So for the kids watching right now, like, Put yourself in that moment. Like, I have a couple books full of quotes of people who are smarter than me. And, and one of the quotes is, the more relaxed you are, the better you are at everything. And I think it's actually Bill Murray who said it. So what's the, been the key for you in those big moments? Like, do you understand what you do well in those moments? Well, I think it's fair you say that because uh, if you look back at this last Olympic, the, the group that we had had... We play with so much fun. We play with a big smile on our face. Through tough times, to, through uh, fun times, we just had that smile and that confidence through it all. And obviously it was not a, a all of a sudden that happened. It was a four-year process. And that, I think that's where I realized, too, since the last Olympic to this one, uh, I think last Olympic we put a lot of pressure on ourselves and we kind of played a little bit uh, scared and, and shy and not, not really confident at that moment. And I think four years later, it was a whole process where we changed the whole culture from our, G, our GM, Gina, to our coaching staff, to the players, where we were confident. We, we, were, ha- we were having fun through uh, those big games. And I think that made a big difference from, like, you saw it throughout all the Olympics. Like, the girls were smiling on the bench. We were celebrating each other's success. And uh, it, this group was very special. And I think we're bringing that gold medal with this group uh, is something that it's hard to put into words, that's for sure. You guys even had fun in warm-ups. We sure did. That always. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, did the did the little hockey star who grew up forty five minutes out of Quebec City ever think that she would be able to do what you've done in the last little while? We have pictures of of one of the rinks that you grew up playing in. Yeah, that's where it all started. I think that's where community uh, comes in, and that's where it all comes comes back to being able to go back to your community where it all started being able to share that gold medal with them uh, i'm not the only one all of us have a have a special bond with our community and families and that's where it all started and being able to to bring it back to to our small towns it's always special 
Uh, and I think that's a big part of why you're a part of Craft Hockeyville. And nominations are now open for Craft Hockeyville to win a quarter of a million dollars in upgrades towards a local arena. What has that community in, in Booseville meant, meant to you and your growth as a hockey player, if I pronounced it right? And if I didn't, I apologize to my mom, <laughs> who's from Quebec. Hey. It was great friendship. Uh, <laughs> I think obviously that, that ring that you saw, that's where it all started. Uh, with my brother, uh, with my minor hockey, uh, that's where it all happened. Having my family in the stands and our Seacraft hockey, that's why it's very special. That community brings, uh, hockey brings community together. And I think it, it, it's huge. And when I'm able to go back, obviously you, you get away a little bit from your community when you have to travel, when you go to school. Um, but Truly, when you take the time to go back and say thank you to people that really uh, helped you throughout, through it all, I think it's huge. And I think it, it, it's hard to put, put into words because hockey really brings communities together. And that's what craft hockey is all about. Awesome. Uh, from the past to the future, Marie-Philippe, there's a lot of talk about your future in the hockey world. Uh, you got a few opportunities in front of you these days? Uh, I haven't really uh, sat down yet, but obviously I'm going to couple text messages that I need to, to reply soon but obviously I'm just taking a little bit of time myself and enjoying the moment but uh, we'll see we'll see what, what happens in the future but uh, we'll, we'll stay in the present right now I mean obviously the way you're playing uh, you have some real good years in hockey left in you wherever you want I mean listen 2026 isn't that far away I don't want to get you that far ahead especially when I think you got a little bit of a sunburn because you're in the sun right now <laughs> and enjoying a bit of a vacation but when, when hockey is done, at least playing for you, do you see yourself working in women's hockey? Do you self, see yourself working in the NHL? Like, what do you see in the future if you allow yourself to look that far? Yeah, I would love to be involved in hockey. I think hockey is, my, is a huge part of my life. Uh, it's been there. I love it. That's what uh, wakes me up in the morning. It still is my passion. I love it. So, Try to keep playing as long as I can, if I can keep up with the youngster. And uh, obviously, after my career, I would love to be involved in terms of coaching and management. Uh, anything that can be involved in hockey, uh, that's something I would truly uh, love to do. Do you see a fifth Olympics in your future? If, uh, if the body can keep up, if the mental is still there, I would love that. I still love it. It's still there, so we'll go one year at a time. All right, when, when Spooner joined us here on the show with Debian, I asked Natalie for like the third or 10th or 23rd time um, about a pro league and a sustainable pro league. Do you feel like we're getting close to a sustainable pro women's hockey league? Uh, it is coming. Uh, I truly believe it's coming very shortly. Um, obviously, uh, great things take time. I think we're, we're all aware of that with women's hockey. The dialogue is always the same every four years when we talk about it, when people are so excited about watching us at the Olympics. But I think we got to change that. we got to change that to every year be excited about watching the um, the women's game. Uh, and I think it's going to come. Uh, I think we got to be a little bit more patient. We have the right people in place. We create an association with the PWHPA uh, where we have the right people that supports us. And uh, we, we truly believe it's going to happen soon. Awesome. Uh, listen, if you got one-tenth of the viewers that you get at the Olympics, that would be a sustainable pro league like this. Before I let you go, though, uh, and this has been fun, this is a true story. My son keeps asking me, 
to rent an RV when this pandemic thing is all done and take a long road trip through Canada and the United States of America, stopping at different arenas and ballparks. He just This is like his dream. He's plotted out all of the stops along the way. I heard that you got an RV. Is that the off-season for you? Like, are you just cruising like my son dreams of? <laughs> to be honest, I love it. Uh, it was my, a dream of mine to, at a young age, just have an RV and travel around. And obviously, it's a little bit busy, but eventually, if your son have that map, I would love to, to have it so I can uh, go through uh, so is that, map. For- is that the near future? Like, just get behind the wheel and let go? Why not? I love it. Yep. Awesome. Hey, listen, this was fun. A real treat for me. Uh, Thanks so much for coming on the show. And if you ever want to come back, maybe drum up support for that professional league that we may see in the near future. If you want to just take some shots on me or Jesse, who was a former goalie, our our door is always open, okay? Perfect. Thank you so much, Tim. Thanks for all your support. We truly appreciate it. Uh, Not a problem whatsoever, and thanks for doing this. Uh, Maybe the best of all time, Mary-Philippe Poulain here on Tim and Friends. Love the answer on hard work. That extra rep that she yeah. was talking about. Like, well, you asked her, like, what leads to all your success? And she's like, well, it's hard work. I like to stay behind, uh, go early. And that was a phenomenal answer. Did you, uh, I thought I saw in the middle of that, did you pull up the story, the big read yeah. on Sportsnet. We, we need to tweet this out uh, so people can read it. It's, it's Ryan Dixon and Christina Rutherford who, because Marie-Philippe Poulain won't speak about herself, got other people to talk about her. From Cami Granado to uh, Kevin Deneen, head coach, Jaina Heffert, you see there. Like, the best of the best in and around women's hockey. And all of the quotes are like what you would dream someone would say about you. <laughs> like, it's unbelievable. It's one after another, and you see why... One, she is maybe the GOAT, with all due respect to Haley Wickenheiser, and you and I could probably have that conversation, though it's kind of cool that they're both Canadian. (laughs) Um, And two, why the rest of the team loves her, despite the fact that she is the best. Because sometimes when you're the best, people don't like you. Yeah. Right? But the the whole world of hockey loves Marie-Philippe Poulain, and that's why you hear the Montreal Canadiens knocking at her door. That's why she has to be coy about all the opportunities that are coming her way, because there are a ton of opportunities at her doorstep whenever she decides women's hockey is done. Yeah, that's very, very cool. And you could tell how humble she was during that interview. Without a doubt. It's awesome. Should have asked her where she was, because I think that was a son. Yeah, I think so too, yeah. (laughs) As she should be. Uh, Time for one last break. We'll get Last Call Jesse next. Tim and Friends. If you can see the graphic, you know it's time for Last Call. And for Last Call, I always introduce Jesse Lubinoff. All right, let's do it. Uh, workouts began today at the NFL Scouting Combine in Indianapolis. Why are you giggling? Because I know why you're getting already jacked up. It <laughs> makes me laugh. Uh, the marquee event, the 40-yard dash, is included in that combine. Quarterbacks, wide receivers, and tight ends were put through the drills today a few years back. Sid ran the 40 and was clocked at 7-6-3. 4-3-2, Calvin Austin. That's yeah, that's, nice. that's fast. That's really fast. Really but fast. Do you think I can beat Sid's time of 7-6-3, not 4-3-2? Oh, without a doubt. You know what the funny thing is about Sid Sixero running the 40? What's that? Is that before he ran the 40, 
he said repeatedly in podcast form, radio form, and TV form that he could beat Donovan Bennett in a race. Like, he thought he was fast. <laughs> and then we put him to the test, and this was the result. So when you ask me if you could beat 7.63, <laughs> I say yes. And for those who don't understand the context, Jesse Rubinoff earlier in the week, I asked him if he would run the 40, seeing that this was combine week. And Jesse said yes, because he is he's a man. Come after him. He's less than 40. Mm-hmm. He's, he's, a, he's a man, and he was up to the challenge. And so, Jesse, I've got a little surprise for you. Oh, good God. I have uh, procured something that you may or may not want for your 40-yard no. dash. <laughs> no! I have found right here... What's that noise? I've, what the hell is that? <laughs> I, I found the suit, but... The, what the hell? Oh, my God. There's potato chip, and this thing stinks! What the hell's going on? There's potato chips in the suit, and it kind of sort of smells. I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, if I wash this suit, Jesse Rubinoff. Oh. Actually, you know what? Who's going to clean that up? Uh, me, I think. Because <laughs> I did it. Who knew there was going to be potato chips in the suit? Would you wear the suit? You can, Honestly, you, you, don't, you don't have to say yes. I don't want you to do this out of peer pressure. This is a thing and a thing with a thing. I'm going to get ripped to shreds if I throw that thing on. And people are going to be like, oh, it's... That's Sid's, Sid's thing. That's Sid's thing, but you know. Okay, you know. We what? can ask the people. You know what? Want me to wear it? No, no. If if you don't want to wear it, I do believe that we should put chips everywhere. <laughs> we should put this suit to the rafters. That Tim yeah, and Sid. I support that. This is uh, this is definitely a, a legendary piece <laughs> of the paraphernalia. I won't put it over Wayne Gretzky's so jersey. So no washing because that would be. So yeah, if I'm should, not, we should we should probably yeah, wash like it. double yeah. wash. Yeah, we should we should probably three wash times. It. Yeah. Sorry guys, I'm just gonna take this one home. That's a good find. Who found? I had no idea this was coming. Okay, so um, you you were a big enough man to say yes to the forty, mm-hmm. and uh, I told you I didn't want to do it, and we got a tweet from Jordan. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you know about this tweet, but he responded and said, "I'll run the forty with you, Jesse." No one cares about me, but hopefully you can get Tim McAuliffe out there for the challenge. And you responded to him and said, uh, that's what the people want to see, I think. Jordan said, hell yeah, all that hammy concern from Uncle Timmy makes me want to play the Donovan Bailey clip for you. And for those who don't get the reference about the Donovan Bailey clip, I believe he's calling me a chicken. He didn't pull up. He's a chicken. He didn't pull up at all. He's just, he's just a chicken. He's afraid to lose. I think what he should do is we should run this race over again so he can kick his ass one more time. <laughs> I still love that clip from Donovan Bailey and Michael Johnson. So I feel good. like I can't put the Gretzky jersey down. It would just be, I'm going to lay it <laughs> yeah, down. Very, blasphemous. Yeah, it would be blasphemous. Uh, so, I can't be called the chicken. No. I will, I will run the 40. No, you won't. Yes, I, oh, I will, my God. I will run the 40 with you. I'm so excited. I am very scared that I'm going to pull something because I'm way too competitive. Yeah. You've seen it. Like, when you beat me in our accuracy challenge, I almost broke the studio. 
This is Roger Goodell running the 40. He's quick, like sneaky quick. Oh, they, they, they said he ran a 5-6-1. Like, that's faster than some offensive lineman. Yeah, no, they might have juiced the numbers there. What, what do you think you'll run? Like, did you, were you? I think I would be around, one around the, there, five, around six, that one. time. I, I was back in the day, now almost 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. I was a 200-meter specialist. Oh, you know, like, you, yeah. You used to progress. You go, like, yeah. at your school, and you go to the area meet, yeah. then you go to the regional Are meet. Are we talking high school or grade school? Uh, grade school, yeah. Yeah, it was great school. Okay, because high school is a different level. Like, if you're advancing in high oh, no, school, I was washed up you, are high gonna, school. you are going to take no, Sid no, no, Sixero no. and no, his no, no. suit and wipe your rear end. But we were talking about this earlier. Like, who runs? Like, I don't sprint ever anymore. Like, yeah. I play goalie in soccer. So right. like Mini sprints. Maybe like a five-step sprint. Right. And usually I feel it after. So, the, yeah. So we have to do it then. So tomorrow. tomorrow. Okay, one thing quickly. Um, Sid was running it outside. Maybe it looked like I don't know springtime. There's gonna be some obstacles out. It's a little chilly out. Yeah, we might have to slip on some ice. Yeah, we might have to lay some salt down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We might have to salt the sidewalk so before we good. get out there. Okay, I'm pumped. Very excited. What a Friday! It's gonna be a Friday so, to remember. Listen, if, if you're gonna embarrass yourself, I'll be right there to embarrass love it, myself. Love with it. You. There's at least one hammy going tomorrow. <laughs> yes, uh, okay. someone's pulling something. <laughs> Can't wait. Yeah. Uh, Let's yes. have Faisal on the phone to host the show Definitely. for whoever goes down. Definitely. Um, speaking of body parts, evidently enough, the big story out of today's combine was the size of Kenny Pickett's hands. The top quarterback prospect in this year's draft out of the University of Pittsburgh had his right hand measured at eight and a half inches, which is smaller than any other quarterback currently in the National Football League. Do you put any stock in stuff like this? Jesse, do you know how big eight and a half inches is? Okay, this is going down a road that I am what not. Is, I'm just asking you, like, if you measured my hands, I think they're they're pretty small. You know what they say yeah. about the size of your hands? Yeah. You know, big hands. Right. Big gloves. Oh, right, right, right. right big yeah. gloves. Is, is That's exactly answer. how I thought you were going to answer that. Yeah. Why do we do this? What with the hands? No, there's, there's the a, measurements. There's a headline on ESPN right now. Kenny Pickett's hands have been. They're, they're eight and a half inches. Like, it's a headline on ESPN showing how big his hands are. It doesn't matter. Like, can he grab a football? Can he hold a football? This, can he throw? This is the biggest piece of horse bleep there is in the NFL. When your two goats, Joe Montana and Tom Brady, were third and sixth round picks, the combine, so overrated. That does it for us. Here's what's coming up on the network. And I only say that because I'm running the 40 tomorrow. The combine is overrated. It's a busy one. Hockey Central comes your way 8 p.m. Eastern ahead of the Oilers and the Hawks nationally on Sportsnet East Ontario and West. Basketball all over the network. What is that smell, Jesse? Do you... Never mind. Five-second rule on those chips. <laughs>